Welcome to Game Woven, a collaborative storytelling collective building a world one game at a time. This week we will be playing Adversary, written by Benjamin Drury and Zach Yelvasky Huff. If you like what we're doing here, you can follow us on Twitter at GameWoven, or you can join our Discord. And you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash GameWoven. Jean, she, her, you can find me at Brianna Jeans on Twitter, and I will be facilitating our game of Adversary by Ben and Zad. So Adversary is about the final confrontation. Long journey full of triumph and despair has led you and your allies to this moment. Whether you are victorious or fail, the world will forever change. Adversary is a game about a group of heroes at the climax of their story. Drawing on their experiences to defeat the bad guy and create a better world. Today I am joined by... Hi, my name is Zadkiel Vasky Huff, and my pronouns are they, them. Howdy, hey, it's me, call me they, aka Woods with a Gun, aka Lex Olden, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Rob, also known as Robbie Rowling, which you can follow if you like to watch people lurk. My pronouns are he, him. And I'm T.T. Benjamin, pronouns he, him. So why don't the writers of the game explain the rules? Adversary is based on card-driven narrative games like For the Queen or The Quiet Year. In this case, we are playing out the final battle of a large grand campaign. But we've added a little mechanical twist to it in order for it to feel like a real battle. The heroes will take actions to try to defeat the adversary. Damage is represented by the adversary discarding cards from the adversary deck. On each one of the cards are effects that take place when the card is drawn, and also a narrative flashback that tells the story of the campaign leading up to this confrontation. So these four people have been traveling together for about two years chasing the Mirage. We will find out what happened along that journey in flashback as we play through the game and try to defeat the Mirage. We can lose this game. We also have access to an ultimate ability, which we can use once. One of us can use it once in the game. And the Mirage, our adversary, has a single face card in her adversary deck that uh, does something devastating. um, And that's put about halfway through the deck. So the way it'll start is someone will use their first ability, usually some kind of an attack or a buff or whatever. The adversary will draw a card, the effects will take place, and then we read the flashback. So tonight we are playing Adversary because Queen of Lights last stand ended up with Irene getting kidnapped. We've established that this is a fantasy setting, but... Where do you all think this final confrontation is happening? We haven't been in a desert yet, have we? Ooh. No, 
have not been in the desert. Ooh. Okay. Abandoned old ass castle in the middle of a desert. Far to like the northwest. Shit, how far yeah. did we go? You know. We established that we've been traveling for like two years, right? Oh shit, we did. Didn't we? Yeah. It doesn't mean we just went straight the whole time. Yeah, this <laughs> was like a whole like build up to actually this final encounter. So I guess True. it does make sense that we are fairly far away from Ernette and Shamir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, a desert is a place that basically all of these characters would not be suited for. True, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, an abandoned castle on in the, the desert <laughs> with no. a big central tower, maybe. Yeah, fucking big okay. tower. Oh, yeah. Okay, but we are coming back to our world being a moon. We're coming back to that, right? Yeah, something yeah else. we'll come We're back to that. Yeah, actually, I kind of like it. That's cool, and that's not going away. Sorry. Yeah. No. That's <laughs> One of these now. days, we will zoom out far enough to know if we are a moon. Hey, so that's my new hyperfixation. Um, headcanon, we're a moon. Yeah, we're a moon. <laughs> Patrons, tell us what you think. Is the game woven world a moon? Abandoned castle in the middle of the desert with a tall tower in the center. Wonder is the final showdown happening at the top of the tower? Or maybe like at the oh, base yeah. of the tower and you have to beat the adversary to go we'll up to get our way up as we go. at the bottom of the tower. Clear. And we're like fighting Could up we? the tower. Ooh. Hmm. Is throne room off the table at this point? I love a throne room. Here it is. We start at the top of the tower, going down into the throne room. Mm. Door to tower, it can only be accessed through the throne room. So you have to go through the throne room to get to the tower. Because Irene's a queen. Why not have her locked up in a tower? Your princess is in another castle. Yeah, we did that a couple times on the way here. (laughs) Literally, though, it's been a long road. There's a lot of ruined castles, okay? I like starting in the throne room and then fighting up the tower. Okay, so we have established the setting. It only took 20 minutes of tangents. And you guys didn't hear a single one unless you paid for Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Next is we establish the adversary. Yeah. Dinky Bitch McGee. So the adversary is the mysterious woman from far up north, north of the Undying Empire, question mark, who you believe is behind the kidnapping of Irene after you realized it was not, in fact, Blythe who kidnapped Irene. Or invited us to go and see Blythe, either. Yeah. Whole thing was a trap. Yeah. It was all a trap, and you just, we all waltzed right into it. And she just grabbed Irene when no one was looking. You know she is powerful. You know she is elusive. And she might have been waiting for you in this castle for a while, waiting to see if you would ever find the freaking castle. Did we get a name for her or a name that we've been... Yeah, do we have a name or anything? What name or title have we been chasing? Yeah. Carlos. We know that she's looked about 20 for about 20 years or so. Yeah, so she's ageless. We're pretty sure she has, like, illusion magics. Curly black hair? Curly black hair. 
The two things we've heard her describe in was a dress that was much too form-fitting to be acceptable in that kind of society when she was at the party being held by Irene's parents, and she's been seen walking around wearing pants. She's hot and wears pants? Damn it! It's too powerful. I absolutely have been picturing her in like a fantasy equivalent of a pantsuit. Oh, yeah. that's pretty good. Pretty good. Everyone's hot in a suit. True. True. This is True. yeah. Heard it here. That's why that's the only thing men ever wear ever. Yep. True. We got yeah. in one. I'm wearing a suit right now. Shh, they can't see me. They they would <laughs> never know. <laughs> That's all we know about her. Seemingly ageless, possibly an illusionist. And at least can employ constructs. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And her accent placed her as either being from or having spent a lot of time in a place farther, far north of the Undying Empire. Which may or may not be the desert place we're in. Maybe. I don't know. We'll Essentially. see. Think, I think adversary doesn't really deal with geography very much. So yeah, probably where the desert is somewhere like northwestish of the Undying Empire. We're back where at the very least she spent the most time. Yeah, hmm. maybe not her home, maybe just where she's chosen to be. Bree, did we get a title, a name, anything about this person? Nope. All we wow. know is she's powerful and she can. How the fuck did we find her? It took us two years. We'll find out. It means she let us find her, if that's what happened. Okay, we traveled two years across an entire continent. I I get that it took a long time, and a lot of that time was walking. But, like, how did we know we were even going in the right direction? I feel like it's one of those things of, like, every person who had maybe seen her used a different name and that was very clearly a pseudonym to the point that it wasn't useful, right? Like, we got the physical description, and that's all we could really go off of because the name was so clearly a, a red herring. I feel like it fits the vibe. I mean, and it could have been that there was uh, kind of an elongated cat and mouse game throughout the entire two years because, mm. of course, adversary has to do with the kind of things that we've dealt with leading up to this. So that's... So we can find that out. Yeah, that might be discovered through the prompt. Uh, so if she's an illusionist and we're in the desert, my brain just went mirage. We've been just calling her mirage. That's our name for her. Yeah, we don't know. Or the mirage. Or the mirage, yeah. Yeah, the mirage. Perfect. The mirage. The mirage. Because of all the times that we were like, I kicked the door in and she just no one was there. Yep. And she'd be like, No, worse than no one, she definitely would just leave like a little like note being like, haha, you suck. Got the setting. We have the adversary. We have a villain or a rogues gallery. Now it's the heroes. So I, TT Benjamin, will be playing Leon Kuprick, the Thundervane, the attendant, the sword attendant to Queen Irene and her mentor and grandfather figure. I think the term we decided on for that one ended up being Blade Warden. Blade Warden, that's right. Mm-hmm. Blade Warden. Yeah, and then I am also going to be reprising my role from the previous Queen of Light game. I will be playing Henbit Lambium, both he and she pronouns. He was brought into court by Irene as an entertainer, became sort of a close friend and confidant. 
as well as somebody who just kind of sat around and, and did a lot of set dressing, and then got taken out on the road with Leon and Irene and Ben on that road ever since. Also, it isn't until we got on that road that we found out you were ever dream. Ah, yes, also that. Also, <laughs> I got vines. I got them vines. Them vines. You got the vines. Got them vines. Hi, I'm playing Queen Blythe, the warrior queen of Ernet. <laughs> mm. I got a bow and I got some arrows. I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> especially if you're just like an innocent woman who got lost in the woods. Yeah, especially if you're an innocent woman. You better duck. <laughs> Hey! Hey, Doc! That wasn't even planned, fuck. That wasn't even planned. And I have no one to reprise from our For the Queen game as my character died, so I will be playing Captain Hallowell with my wonderful companion, Lucky the Squirrel, on my shoulder. (laughs) What's Hallowell's deal? Tell me a little about him. So, very much classic almost pirate ship captain vibe of very like flowing attire like bandana around the head like a rapier and a a dueling dagger very much the party rogue kind of vibe is what i'm what i'm imagining were you from one of our countries or did we like meet you along the way so we actually get to establish things in flashbacks but i I think generally right right just a dude we picked up yeah, I think I think it was one of those things of you all were trying to find the allies you could, and I was one of those, like, a connection of a connection brought me up, and I was like, <laughs> I think we can make that work. I'm going to be real. Leon fucking hates you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> My first thought was that that sounds vaguely piratey description. And my second thought was, have you ever gone by Handsome Jack? Handsome <laughs> Jack. Yeah, who's that? The famous pirate? <laughs> <laughs> Give me that name again, Rob. Uh, Hall- Captain Hallowell uses he they. Hallowell. Man, the cast of our universe is so queer so far. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for us. It's like representation's fucking easy if you just do it. We know our heroes, we know where they're going, and we know who they're going up against. Is it time to describe the epic walk-up or this final battle? So I'll take first grab on the walk-up, and it is Leon who strides forward in the shadow of the uh, of the giant castle, which I think we are down shade of it, so it is casting its shadow over us, and he walks up into like a, a, a hole in the light where like a little bit is shining through one of the walls and he turns around holding up a gleaming shield and he has his sword out and he says well all right this is the end of the road the mirage is in there and so is our queen except you looks over at Halloway Halloway have you never watched Charmed no. What? Except you. He looks over at Hallowell, sellsword. But I expect all of us to do our duty. Remember, it is us or her. 
And if the last person standing is our queen, then I would have it so. Who's with me? I think, partially to establish that Blythe has many fun little funny arrows, because most of my bullets are going to be weird arrows. Blythe is just going to just shoot some kind of magic arrow at the door and knock it in. <laughs> Puts her bow away and just says, like, you talk too much, and just starts heading in. And Captain Hell will just pat Leon on the back and say, your speech will work one of these days, Blundervane. Let's get in there. Blundervane, <laughs> let's go. Rude. You hear Irene cackling in the distance, just giggling. Uh, I there, think... See, she's in there. I told you. <laughs> I think you like Henbit literally just like laughs and uh, comes by and uh, pats you on the shoulder with one hand and then two vines that kind of come out and pat you on the sh- shoulder. Blender veins is it's going to get old one of these days. I'm very sorry that that's not today. And then I think they actually like they use the vines and they start climbing up the wall and in through a window. I swear none of you can take a holy errand seriously. And he he strides inside, looking dejected. So, as you all enter the throne room, you see this mirage, except for it is a mirage. Finally, the actual person, not just the glimpses that you've been chasing for two years now. Sitting there in her pantsuit, like very finely dressed, finely tailored, sitting like sideways in her throne with her legs draped over the side, looking very bored and she looks over she sees you'll enter. I was wondering if you were ever going to show up. You're certainly rather slow, aren't you? Okay, so I want to be her. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) I feel like Leon like elbows Queen Blythe, and then just... No, that was Lex. (laughs) That was was fully Lex. I feel like Leon reaches through the fourth wall and elbows Lex. (laughs) Well, you know, your uh, little illusions are just so compelling, we couldn't pass it up. You will return the Queen to us. Right, that too. And you can survive. No. You die. You will return the Queen to us, and we'll make your death swift. No. You can return the Queen to us. Blythe just knocks an arrow and lines up a shot. Aunt Herod, I thought you were going to be entertaining. She says, looking at Leon, is... Your friend said you do talk a lot. I was only ever going to get you so far. It's gotten me this far. Which? Yes, but it lost you, your queen. No, she's up. She's in the tower. I heard her laugh. What are you going to do about it? He's still lounging. Like, how looks at his sword? Uh, well, geez, I don't know. Go ahead, Sam, sorry. <laughs> at this, can we just go ahead and start start playing the game? Yeah, y'all can. 
I was full expecting at some point someone was just going to start attacking her while she's antagonizing Liam for talking too much. The way it works is you just, whoever decides they go first, goes first, and then we just start go. going. Keep going. Oh, I think Blythe would just loose an arrow. I, can I get a, a quick early thing that mm -hmm. happens first? Okay. Is as that, that exchange is rattling on, you've got your, your shot lined up and not, and everybody hears a quack. There's like a and coming just like feet flopping out of the shadows from one side of the room is Quacks the Tourist. <laughs> Quacks the Tourist has entered the field. What? I what? Yeah, the duck. The duck that we're all familiar with. <laughs> we're all familiar with Quacks the Tourist? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Been with us for two years. <laughs> yeah. So I am I'm taking my turn to activate my ally Quacks the Tourist. I will say this does draw the Mirage's attention. Okay, no, this is interesting. That's adorable. I might have to keep this one unless you're all dead. Quacks says ah. the adversary will draw a card in response and we'll see what happens. Okay, so I thought you were about to say Quacks speaks. And I'm no. like, I'm gonna veto that one. I don't want talking ducks. Also, um, the, your duck has a card associated with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Quacks is an ally, so that is a diamond. Well, three of clubs, so no match there. So we drew a club. Is despair. The active hero loses a knowledge. Oh no, they're dumb. <laughs> okay, having duly activated Quacks the Tourist, I am going to suffer the results of getting rid of the Shears of Disruption. Very effective in a previous episode, but alas, uh, we shall be setting it aside for now. What does Quacks do? What does Quacks do? So Quacks the Tourist, persistent, once active, every time an ability is lost, sacrificed, or banished place a counter on this ally. Remove all counters at the beginning of your turn, and then I can banish Quacks to deal as a reaction to deal damage equal to the number of counters placed. So Quacks goes up. Oh, so you've one. actually already got one counter on there. I've already got one counter on there. Everyone make sure to use as many of your sacrifice abilities as possible so that we can rank rack the counters up to deal more damage. I just realized the name of the card that you you, you picked to get quacks is called the Archmage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah, the filler name is the Archmage. Not in this game, yeah. though. Yeah, quacks the duck, the Archmage. <laughs> yeah, quacks. <laughs> what about this is confusing you? I don't understand. Uh, you know what? You're right. I'm just stupid. Is it time for a flashback? Absolutely. Much was sacrificed to gain one of your knowledge abilities. What did you give up despite it being so precious to you? Oh man. Okay. So, got two. Got the Shoes of Disruption, which I already had, and the other one is a For All Seasons. So, the way that that knowledge works is. It is a more powerful and a more continuously effective skill 
as long as everybody can use different suits. So as long as people are able to contribute in their own unique ways. What if you had to cut some ties with other Verdrine, right? Like burn that bridge? Something that I had considered naming this one was the tangled roots make the forest a single organism. And I think in order to produce the harmony that was necessary to draw from allies that were not of my people, that was one of the things that I had to let go of. I think Hendit only has three shoulder vines now. And one shoulder vine was grafted directly from her father. But the one that she cut was somebody that had been a lover of his. They both together grafted vines onto themselves before he left Shamir to travel north with the rest of the Verdrine. And they had those those vines that would always connect them to each other, even though they were probably never going to see each other again. And I think, like, they didn't say that. They didn't ever actually recognize we're never going to see each other again. But Henbit stayed behind to face whatever it was that was was there and his lover left and then this adventure came along and he realized that a direct specific connection to something that was never going to grow needed to be pruned and so that's what he did and I think the pieces of that vine he broke it down and found ways to fashion ornaments for everybody within the group in order to connect us all together so that something that was never going to grow, was never going to bear fruit, could feed something that was. Leon, well, I had a combo that I was going to do, but right now this is more powerful. If you want to do setup, I can just keep, like, ditching... Well, yeah, I guess can, we'll the duck will just one. stick around. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Let's, let's just do it. Let's just, because we never know if, if a betrayal pops up, we might lose the duck. The duck can betray us. No. No. Leon steps up, stands next to Quacks the Tourist. He pounds his shield twice with the, uh, the hilt of his blade and shouts, Take her now. Don't give her room to breathe. For the queen and uses his ability, his knowledge ability, it's a knowledge, uses his knowledge ability for the queen. It is a sacrifice. All sources of damage until my next turn are increased by one. So we're going aggro. All right. I'll say at this point, the Mirage is finally in a upright seated position, no longer has her legs dangled, but she still looks rather unworried. And that is also a sacrifice, so you can add another counter on there. Ooh. All right. A spade! Oh, fuck! Oh! Ooh. Wait, what does a spade do? It's a match. Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to reaction on my own turn. <laughs> okay. I am going to Love activate to the Crest of the Queen, 
which is a boon, reaction sacrifice prevent the negative effects of a match. So that's another sacrifice for you, Zad, and it will yeah. prevent the match. Okay. So I kind of picture there's this wave of magic that was heading towards Leon. I think he holds his shield up against it, and there's the, the crest of the queen on top of it, and it starts to glow, and then it just, like, shatters off of the shield. But it prevents the uh, the wave of magic that's attacking him. But I do still suffer despair. Um, so to clarify for the viewers who have never played this game, what just happened was we use cards from a playing card deck, and if the adversary's card, Bree in this case, is the same suit as a hero's card, bad things happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Leon said, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> sacrificed another ability. I'm about to get wrecked here though. So that um, is still that is still a despair, so I do still suffer from despair. You do still lose a knowledge. So I only have one other knowledge, which is my ability Legacy of Thunder. So that is lost. Oh no, he's stupid. Zad, that's another <laughs> lost ability yep. for your uh for the duck. Sure fucking is. If this duck is the reason we win, <laughs> I'm gonna shit bricks. <laughs> I am feeding this duck all of my life force. In one turn, in one turn, of my five abilities that I started with, I have lost three. <laughs> Which, by the way, viewers, that's bad. Yeah, we don't that's want real that. bad. Yeah. Well, Leon, if it makes you feel better, do you want to know what your prompt is? Yes, I do. You know a secret that even the adversary has been hiding from themselves. It's time to tell them what you know. Yes. I'm your dad. (laughs) (laughs) So Leon steps forward and he just takes his shield and like casts it off of his arm while it's still like smoldering and it like clatters like and uh, he points his sword at the mirage and he says Imadu I know why you are trying to punish our family. I know why you invade the noble courts. I know why you were rejected from the Undying Empire. Do you even know? How dare you speak my name? I know your name. I know your ilk. I just had to see you for myself. You were once one of us. And you have been cast out from court to court to court for generations. Go on. Tell us why. I owe you nothing. You owe me everything, Harpy. You could have stayed, but you didn't because you just have to take and take. Why? Because if I did not take, the others would squander don't understand the power that they have. Would waste so much. We can help you, or you can die. I find it adorable that you think you can accomplish either. That's hard. Ooh, that's hard. She just smiles. Smile seems to get a little too big, a little draconic, maybe, potentially. Definitely not entirely human. So, this is going to be weird, 
because I like making Blythe the worst. And during Zab's flashback, I had a thought and it just rolled and snowballed into what I'm about to say now. <laughs> so I'm going to use loyal pet, but it's not an animal. At the end of Leon's conversation, Blythe just rolls her eyes at all this. Like, I don't care about whatever your story is. I just need you out of the way. And she's just going to do like a sharp whistle. And you all hear like a banging from out, like up through the walls uh, outside. Like, by the way, have you met my new friend? And a man who is wearing the skin of a manticore come bashing through the wall. And in his chest, there is a single arrow through his heart. You all vaguely recognize him from the journey, but I'm going to leave why you know him until I get a flashback or something. But he is, quote unquote, my loyal pet. I would say Rip Constantine, but that would be uh, not what's happened, unfortunately. <laughs> what does the ability do? Deal one damage after the reveal on my turn. Persistent. Oh, great. So it's got a fire first, but... Mm -hmm. So, like, the Raj's response is, You treat me like a villain when you travel with someone who keeps a person like that. You think I'm horrible? Let's look in the mirror. What was the suit for that ability? Diamond... Oh, not a match. I swear I did shuffle these. <laughs> but it's another despair. What does that one do? Knowledge? Active hero loses a knowledge. Hey, guess what? I'm stupid already. Hey, I don't have we any got knowledge. Fizzle. Uh, fizzle for despair is a hero must lose an ability. So somebody has to lose one. Hey, let's kill Ben. <laughs> 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 I actually have something that is actually actively pretty good for me to lose and will help the duck so I'm happy to take that help the duck I have a boon once activated your abilities deal one extra damage if this boon is lost before it can be activated deal two damage sick which means we're about to deal three damage yes I believe so plus someone is buffing damage Ben's giving us all plus one for this turn. What's that ability look like, Rob? I called it retort, and it was going to be a different kind of retort depending on whatever the situation was. So the last line was like, why don't you look in a mirror? You just brought a zombie into my house and you think I'm bad? Oh, no, no, no. This man's fully alive. That's worse. You I see know. how this is worse? Yes. <laughs> Uh, in response to you should look in the mirror, Captain Hallowell is just like <laughs> way ahead of you and just chucks a dagger at the, <laughs> at the mirage. Yeah, I've already removed the three cards for the damage and double check that they weren't the face cards. But you're prompt. You have been clinging to a fond memory that drives you forward. Now, at the end, what is it? Oh, it's the memory of General Constantine when he hunted and slayed Manticore for me and skinned it 
and made it into a cloak. At the time, I thought that was kind of sweet, maybe, but like I didn't need it. But it came in handy when we met a man who had the ability to take on the abilities of what if we gave him parts of a slain creature to wear, he'd pick up those abilities. He didn't seem particularly interested in helping us. So I convinced him with a magic arrow to the heart. And, you know, he is ultimately a gift from Constantine, I think. And that's really special to me. <laughs> when she calls me a villain, Blythe looks and goes, well, yes. You think I'm here to admonish you? This is a master class. And what reason do you have wish harm against me? Could be friends after all. You're in the way. And then does the guy in the manticore cloak just like run up and how does he attack? Blythe just gives like a whistle, which is the command signal, and he's <laughs> deals two damage. Like I like the idea that this guy's not even armed. She just makes him like run at people. Yeah, like I said, uh, so he takes some abilities of things that, that he wears, and I gave him a manticore cloak. Perfect. So he's manticore abilities. Yeah. Whatever those are. I think it's like claws, and they've got like a scorpion tail that can fly. Yeah. yeah. Like a yeah, stinger tail. Yeah, and then deals yeah. that extra one damage because of Ben's call to arms. Yes. So, yeah. We just actually dealt a lot of damage, I think. Total, we're dealing five? I think. And Quacks the Tourist is up to five. So, Rob, if we can get rid of at least, like, if we can get rid of a few more cards. We might be able to one-shot this. <laughs> In a really great combination of narrative and mechanics, I don't have anything that synergizes with you, Zad. <laughs> oh, fine. Okay. I really am the outsider of this group, the newcomer. Well, you can always like fail, and maybe we'll lose a couple of abilities that way, and that can, that can stop. I'm great at getting matched uh, in this game, so <laughs> just give it a second. Emadio's looking a little more concerned now that she is attempting to fend off this large, unfortunate man, and is probably attempting to basically find his off button because this is a bit much, <laughs> and had a knife thrown at her. Yeah, has had a knife thrown at her, has a a very large man in a manticore suit taking swings, and just like running around the entire central dais is Quacks the Tourist going... Which, by the way, I'm just imagining that really dramatic shot of Blythe. <laughs> just there's a duck in the background. <laughs> also, she just got true names. Mm, true. True. Yep, that's always unsettling. She's, yeah. having, a, she's having a day. Question though, is that a name she go still goes by though? Oh, oh is, is Leona Bastard who just dead named her villain? Asshole. <laughs> we'll see. I will say my turn's gonna be not very exciting because it's a bit of a setup as I use Lying in Wait, which is a club, a, a skill, which will just deal two damage, but at the end of my next turn. So. Mm. We see Captain Hallowell. There's the. Not only is it a match, it's the face card. I told you all, this is what I'm good at. Face cards don't match. Oh, they don't. 
face cards don't match. They, so a face card doesn't count in the typical reveal order. What you do is you show the face card, resolve the face card, and then you draw the actual reveal. Oh, <laughs> great. So the face card's gonna happen, and then another card's gonna get drawn. What's the face Yay. card, though? It's the face yeah. card. Yeah, so it was Queen, what shall I take from you? Oh. Every uh. hero banishes an ability. I. I'm growing bored with this, and she throws her hand down this wave of energy, passes, and all lose an ability. Oh, this is gonna add so many counters to Quack. Yeah, oh, I'm up to nine. Plus my bonus. In, like, the very front pocket of Captain Hallowell's coat is a magical pocket watch. Okay, I thought you were about to kill the fucking squirrel. No! <laughs> no! Not lucky! I was I was about to be so mad. No way. <laughs> I'll let y'all die before lucky. Uh, yeah, but there's just this moment where a uh, the Bakuwa shatters in 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 their uh, jacket pocket. So I had one other ally card called the Shield Bearer. We just have like one of my soldiers. I had some with us, but they didn't make it. He's the last one in like a group of like eight guys I had to come with us. I just grab him and hold him in front of me. <laughs> like, he doesn't even move to protect you. You move him to protect yeah. you. Yeah, he's like, well, you know, how it is. Get the living. <laughs> the living. Actually, I would like Zad to go first, because I'm about to get real tragic up in here. What did I make for you from the piece of vine that I gave you? I think you made me a bracer to replace one that got ripped off during a battle. So I have like one like metal bracer and then one bracer made of wrapped vine. Okay. They drop down from the ceiling in front of Leon and bracer itself is mostly made of wood and the piece of vine is inlaid and Henbit has a matching one. And so they, as this tack goes off, Henbit absorbs it with the bracer, and then, sort of in that space that's that's created, throws the shears forward, and that's what deals the damage. As you feel the negative energy just gets absorbed by the bracer, and you feel refreshed in a certain way, as you get you feed one another in turn. And I think the bracer on Leon's arm begins to sort of come vaguely alive, sort of like Ashitaka's like weird shadow arm thing. Like the vein, the vines are like tendrilling off of it a little bit. I have no idea what the fuck you just said to me. <laughs> Ashitaka from Princess Mononoke. Oh, that I haven't seen that in like eight bajillion oh, okay. years. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Three damage. Is she dead yet? Um. <laughs> She's going to uh, die imminently because there's uh, I'm about to do some bullshit. Yeah. So, Leon, no shield, just holds his sword in front of him and it disintegrates completely. And you see for a moment, there's like a whitish yellowish crackle of lightning that goes through his veins and then actually fades away as 
it's I feel bad that I don't get to reveal this, but Leon actually had a couple of really cool abilities, one of which was the rolling so he had the Legacy of Thunder and Rolling Thunder ability, which were two like Thunder Vane themed abilities, and he can't do it. <laughs> he can't do them. So he loses his rolling thunder skill, leaving him with only one skill, which he activates right now. Because it's oh. a reaction. Oh. Oh no. So Leon grabs sort of his last trinket hanging around his neck. It was a gift that was given to him by a cursed child that he and Henbit atten- uh, uh, were able oh, to heal. Shit. It's the amulet of the falcon. He grabs it ah. and with sort of like the, the tenderly veins coming off of his arm and he looks at Imidel and says, I was the second person to hold Queen Irene when she was born, and I will see her again. And then he crushes it in his hands, and lightning strikes through a hole in the ceiling, and he becomes like this, like, storm crow form. Did you just turn into a phoenix, essentially? Uh, a Garuda, thank you. Yeah, like a, like a lightning bird. He turns into like a lightning bird and oh, yeah. flies directly through her. For the next turn, all card effects fizzle instead. Okay. Fizzling on the card effects is a slightly increased uh, negative thing, but it deals one damage. Which means that the card that's about to get drawn is actually going to deal two more, deal two damage total, and it's going to fizzle instead of uh, just do a regular card effect. So this is me having played TTRPGs, asking about a wording on the rules. Uh, when you say next turn, does that mean it doesn't affect this turn? Whatever happens, it happens. Gotcha. So I picture before all these attacks go off. Accuse me of taking? Fine, I'll take everything. Then she just gets fucked. (laughs) Get fucked. (laughs) And then I still have to have a card drawn on me, right? And then then I also have to have a card get drawn on him. (laughs) Leon is still in the fight. He's just having one is still technically in the fight because he has that ability that Zad gave him. Incredible. Also, that was a sacrifice, Zad, so you can add another counter to... Oh, uh, I'm up to ten. (laughs) (laughs) This wasn't a match for Rob, so congratulations. Hey! Nine of Diamonds, which is Betrayal. What is the effect of this? What is the fizzle effect of Betrayal? We don't lose an ally, which is nice. I recover one, so thanks. Oh, uh, the adversary recovers one. And then takes two, okay. right? <laughs> yeah. I'll get that in just a second, but for the prompt, you stopped yes. along the way to help a stranger, only to find out they were important. Who were they? What did you do? And how did they help you? So I think the vibe has been pretty well, like it's pretty clear about the things that Captain Hallowell values in terms of fully is just is an unapologetic sellsword and has mocked Leon the entire trip. Not mocked Blythe because it's very clear Blythe scares them, but 
has like <laughs> poked them as much as possible, but he's been very, very, he's gone way out of their way to like help those in need or hand a couple silver over to people along the road. And I like to imagine at one point the trail had gone really cold. Like we had just turned over one of the Mirage's lairs and normally there was something for us to go on, but this time she just left us nothing. And I feel like this was like halfway through the adventure. We were all like, we were at that point. We were at like the season finale. Like, like we were all on each other's throats. Like we just, we're not getting along. Things were looking bad. We were like in the Undying Empire because we were in the middle of our search and just seemingly apropos of nothing, Captain Hallowell spends like a couple days helping this one family they came across on their travels and through that the like eldest kind of like grand matron of the family told a story about this old fortress that the Undying Empire built when according to the stories the Emperor well the Emperor has always been alive but at the beginning of when the Emperor was alive and that while that fortress has been left to the sands of time is what she said that it still holds a very important place to those who know the Empire and have known it since it started and it was only until later that we put those pieces together that led us here. What did the rest of y'all think that your character was doing while the captain was just like working on a farm? I think for Blythe, that is when she discovered a peculiar ability of hers. She happened to cut herself while making an arrow and then went hunting and shot a deer. Probably though the arrow entered the deer's heart, the deer did not die. It just followed her loyally. Oh, actual <laughs> I mean, I love it, but what the fuck? Yeah, so I really, Blythe just has like so many things surrounded by just being a manipulative, controlling, awful person. Yeah, and the queen's blood makes charm arrows. Yeah. Great. I, I think that's what my that's what my brain came up with. It's such a perfectly hyper-specific boon for this setting. It's just yeah. like, if this queen's blood touches your heart, you're gonna, it's really bad. It's like, when's that ever gonna come up? Often, she enjoys shooting people. Yeah, so I think that she figured that out and started experimenting with it. Mm-hmm. And the bracer gift you gave her with the vines, she went, this is like, neat, I guess, but uh, I'm gonna fuck with it. And um, she, like, does the vine, the vines have, like, thorns on it? Um, no, I don't think, I don't think his do. Okay, cool. So she made it have thorns. Yeah. Like, stuck an arrowhead <laughs> into the bracelet? No, she fed her blood to the vine, and it started, like, growing and, like, growing thorns, and she turned it into her bowstring. Yeah, I was actually gonna say, like, if you want something custom, Henbit does custom work, so... Oh, no, she was gonna do this on her own, experimenting with the blood thing. 
Gotcha. <laughs> You're gonna find her one day, like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> well, like, I mean, Henbot would have would have come and tried to make something. And I think, mm. like, imagine, so, like, imagine if Henbit had been, like, here, I, I've uh, made this bowstring, the string will never break. Oh, oh, gotcha. And gotcha. it'll keep us together. And then it's, like, normal bow, come back two days later, and now it's, like, thorny, and yeah. mm-hmm. I like it's, that. like, Blythe's, Blythe's blithed it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I think um, her arrows are thorns from the vine growing into arrows before she fires one. Oh, Excellent. So, Wonderful. So that's what she did while you were on a farm. <laughs> yeah. Hendit let let Captain Hollowell cook for a day and then got fucking sick of hanging out with Blythe and Leon and then went to go help on the farm. So he was doing something kind of dull by comparison. But what was Leon doing? I think Leon sent a letter back to his family back home and some of the people back in the courts. I think he spent a long time writing this as well. It was uh, detailed. He kind of sequestered himself uh, privately as he did it. Wasn't really interested in letting people see it. Very private thoughts going into this letter, but more or less the contents of it was his suspicions about what he was fighting and a warning to a very trusted member of the court of Chaumer about the coming threat and the possibility of potentially needing to take charge of two kingdoms without monarchs. In the moments when he could have been sentimental to these people, what he really was was professional down to a T. Like, this is what you need to do if we don't come back. If we're not back in three months, here's a step-by-step instruction. Like, here's how you need to run the courts. Here's how you need to get control of things. Here's what's about to happen to these kingdoms. You need to get a handle on it, or you need to roll over with your belly up and surrender, or so many people are going to die. Just practical, ultimately to a fault, in terms of what he sent to his family, it was basically a very matter-of-fact last will and testament that his holdings would go to his brother-in-law, and that's about it. And that his body be interred in the court mausoleum, if it so pleased the court, uh, so that he can continue watching over the royal family in death. And then you turned into a big old Thunderbird. And now he's a Thunderbird. <laughs> so, to get back. So, as my turn ends. Yeah. yeah. To set the scene, the place that we've we've left it is in the show version of this. That's where you've got the commercial break cut and it fades back in, and Queen Blythe sort of drops the smoking corpse, the corpse of uh, Greg, her last retinue member. He doesn't know his name. <laughs> I know his name. His name was Greg. <laughs> uh, Hembit chilled with your dudes. Get on my level. What sort of weapon are you readying, Rob? Is is uh, Captain Halloway or Hallowell ready? Hallowell, a rapier and a uh, dueling dagger. Very like kind of classic swashbuckler. Mm-hmm. And like just slowly creeping off to one side to getting ready to ambush. Yeah. 
the rising form of Leon as the lightning falcon has left this trail of sparks that has passed through Imadil and just like has shot up into the sky and is wheeling and screaming back down for a final strike and Pendit is haloed in static electricity and sparks his bracer glowing in concert with um well it's just all electricity now I think the entire spine filament the entire spine fragment is sparking off of his wrist and Imadil is kind of wounded and panting but still looks absolutely ferocious her hair is a mess the pantsuit that she's wearing is artfully and we'll say attractively tattered <laughs> just the right amount of charring on the edges around her crackling with energy she's ready to go she's, she looks like she's having fun <laughs> yeah she like she throws up kind of that cocky smile and is looking at us as we are, are weary and have chased her so far and is about to open her mouth to say something when there's a quack. Just, ah. And she looks down. <laughs> is the duck standing between her feet? Yeah. The duck is standing directly in front of her between her feet. And she just, like, she looks at it again and is like, What are you doing there, little one? And the duck quacks again. And then opens its mouth. And I, I think what we see is from the back, there is just an explosion of light that consumes the entire back of the frame. And we just have the silhouette of Imadil and this duck as the form of Imadil falls away. Like it disintegrates. And then. Uh, does 11 damage, clears out the rest of the deck. Yeah, and her last words are, not bad, not bad at all. And she just gets disintegrated. Mm-hmm. By a duck, I guess. By a duck. And I will say, mechanically, like, if that duck hadn't been there, we probably might lose. Because... <laughs> <laughs> just putting that out there. Yeah, no, if it hadn't been for the duck um, charging up for its massive explosion. <laughs> yeah. Flashback to two hours ago, you <laughs> saying, if this duck is the reason we win. <laughs> uh, do we just want to sort of go around the circle with prompts as we make our way up, or do we want to have a brief scene before we start heading up the tower? Yeah, like one last thing, I think Quack's turns back around and Quax is a tourist. After the light fades, Quax and everybody of us, all of us are standing there kind of confused. Quax turns around, looks at us, goes and then just like flies away. And that's it for Quax. Could could he always do? Could he? Uh, Is that? Shut up, you're a bird. <laughs> Is Leo just 
a talking bird now. <laughs> a talking lightning falcon. I wonder. I wonder if Leon like has to. No, Leon doesn't have to be a bird forever. That's fine. Technically, with with that item, you can turn back. <laughs> he broke it. Remember, crushed it in my hands. Ethically, I'll just turn to Henbit. Hey. Another appreciator of foul play and give a wink. <laughs> Leon, in Thunderbird form, gets up behind Hallowell, smacks him on the back of his head with a wing, and then converts back into Leon in like tattered clothes and like barely functional armor, still kind of staticking, and then just like falls to his knees. That was a shit joke. <laughs> so I think Blythe, because I had the realization. Emidil did the giant energy wave thing, and the the berserker dude was in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just somewhere. Blythe's gonna walk up to him. He like I think he's like alive, but like an incredible babe, and just gonna walk up to him. I think the manticore cloak is like done, and you all just see her go- say, "You did well," and pull the arrow out of his heart. And I think he comes back to his senses and is free. For about two seconds before she shoots him in the head. Jesus! And as a complete contrast, Hallowell will, will hold out a hand to let Leon up and say, You did pretty good, but Thunder Pain. I don't even get that one. Thunder <laughs> Pain. Closer. Oh, come on, don't call yourself vain. That's what other people call you, don't worry. You hear a very faint voice coming from way up high. You want to get me out of here? So Leon grabs Hallowell by the face and just pushes him off. And then <laughs> stands up and starts ascending the tower. Maybe just start with Leon and then circle around with the prop. Yeah, that's a fun epilogue. Ace of diamonds. Her death was senseless but avoidable, and the adversary is to blame. Who is it, and who were they to you? Leon starts up the stairs, and I think early on in the journey, yeah, when they were just getting out of Ernet, and they had just gotten Queen Bly, there was a mercenary team with, like, a tracker and all that, and Leon and the captain of this mercenary team really got along. I think that they were two hardcore, tough fighting, sword fighting, like just guys being dudes, couple of stalwart, loyal bros. And they just hit it off real well. And they had a great time sitting up and not drinking and just like hanging out, talking about how much things are really important to them. And I think what happened to this mercenary captain was there was a a split ambush, basically. Like, the Mirage set up an ambush. The mercenaries pursued the ambushers, and the team got split up, and then the Mirage orchestrated the ambush to reunite all of them, and then the mercenaries in the confusion ended up fighting each other, and this mercenary captain caught an arrow in the neck before everyone figured out what was going on. And Leon and the party, when they caught up, like, 
I see Blythe over here, like waving, like, yeah, I shot him. <laughs> I don't think it was Blythe. <laughs> and I think when Leon and the others sort of caught up, Leon was like, oh, shit. And then eventually realized that this mercenary troop is a liability and they're just going to, it's just going to be worse. So they kept the tracker enough to get them a little ways further, but he dismissed the rest of the rest of the company to go bury their dead and take care of their captain, you know, inter him where he needs to go. He felt very jaded after that. Up until that point, he was very confident. He was very bold. And after that, he's like, wow, this is, this is going to be the worst experience of my life. And he was right. And for Blythe. Yeah. Family has a saying for situations like this. What is the saying? And which member of your family coined it first? Oh, for situations like this specifically. <laughs> you know, after a duck <laughs> quacks so big that it disintegrates a dragon. Dragon question mark. Dragon question mark. She could have been anything. We didn't figure it out. Apparently, Leon knows. Leon was part of her story. Y'all never bothered. Well, yeah, you didn't really bother to ask. There wasn't time to ask. We only got one turn. <laughs> we rocked her shit. <laughs> Damn, it's like two of the game's creators are here and know how to play well. I don't know. I didn't know that the duck was going to be that busted. Yes, you did. As soon as you used the duck, I was like, oh, I know exactly how to make this busted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My family has a saying for situation just like this make them work for you <laughs> and when Blythe heard that the neighboring queen was kidnapped oh sick I get to be a hero I get to go on a quest that's dangerous and harrowing and I'll probably succeed just fine because I'm the best at what I do obviously so there's no danger there and I get to come back and have a story and I'll it look great to my people and the neighboring country are dead to me perfect and hey if I can I can make this mirage version work for me in the end too I might be able to pull that off I doubt it but that'd be that'd be a bonus I mean that's technically not how this game works but you could have asked <laughs> I mean we could have <laughs> there, there's a different alt that we could have taken that would have let us do something more along those lines yeah that would be the Dorcas timeline, though. To have the Mirage working for Blythe, that would be bad. Yeah. Blythe definitely thinks that was too easy and he made it a little lie. Because we know she's an illusionist. So Blythe is, like, is pretty certain she's alive. And that was just some some magic bullshit that just happened. Still have a lot you don't know about her. Yeah, yeah. So Blythe does intend of learning more about her when she gets home and just like, hey, maybe I'll do something with it later. I don't know. Now I get my scroll back. <laughs> I kind of need that. So, for our captain, someone you trusted was with the adversary from the start and played you for a fool. When did you suspect? Who did you try to tell? And why wouldn't they listen to you? Captain Hallowell is not simply a captain, but I imagine a part of a small group of captains in the area of Shomir and has certainly played off like, oh, just a sellsword and I'm here, but is very much 
intending to be here as much more of a, hi, I'm part of an organization who's making a, a move here, but didn't realize that the other founder of this organization, so like it was it was Captain Hallowell and then this other captain, this admiral, had multiple ships, not just Hallowell's one, had been bankrolling and assisting the Mirage the whole time. And they they both made these schemes parallel to each other. Like Hallowell's like, oh, this situation is perfect. I can use this to get us what we've been trying to do this whole time. And the Admiral was like, oh no. Don't worry, I already set up this whole situation so that these kingdoms are super weak and, and divided and all of a sudden this queen's gonna be off doing whatever. I mean, it's just more dramatic if part of that end of second act thing was Hallowell and the Admiral had like a massive duel and they both left with something lost. So I'm gonna say that Captain Hallowell gave the Admiral like a gnarly scar, but they like took a really important magical item from the captain. Magic compass, magic compass, magic compass. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I have him. I, I he already had a had a magic pocket watch, but so I imagine he had a really fancy like magic cloak. Oh, yeah, um, one thing in Pirates of the Caribbean, it's like <laughs> Admiral Jack Sparrow. <laughs> so, yeah, Admiral that, Handsome Jack. <laughs> the situation with Admiral Jack isn't resolved. Oh, no, it was a no, it was a joke. No, it was to say what their honorific is. True. Maybe we'll leave that for uh, individuals in the game over Discord. But the incredibly attractive crow. So, yeah. Quick question, Rob. What would Henbit have made for you from the vine? The squirrel. <laughs> Captain Holloway would actually have looked like probably surprised and a little like shocked at the offer and would have been like, oh, um, <laughs> kind of just gestures to him, so I don't need anything. But, you know, Lucky has been without any kind of accessory for so long. I think that truly it'd be, it'd be a shame. Did you get a pirate hat for your pocket squirrel? I don't know. What did what did Henry yes, make absolutely. lucky this girl? Yes. Made a hat out of the fine remains, and also just to kind of complete the circle fully, adorned it with bits of the vine that had been carved into feathers, and so she made a similar feather for you, and one for herself that she wore, I think, tied into her hair with a matching string to the one that she made for Blythe, so that we were all, we all had those connections, so. Precious. Incredible. And uh. change the tone a bit. We have yeah. a song for him, but mm -hmm. started the journey with a deep fear. That fear is gone now. What were you afraid of? How did you overcome it? I left the castle with the fear that I would be consumed by the courts. That the luxury that I had found being with Irene, being Irene's pet curiosity, would keep me away from the world. And that being among 
so many truly vile and careless people would make me cruel and callous and leave me jaded and take away the hopefulness and the life that the Verdreen have and they share amongst themselves. And I'll be goddamned if I didn't go out on this journey with somebody who also, to an extent, in a way that I recognized was valorous, if I didn't necessarily think was good. When Leon and I left together, I thought, okay, maybe there's some good here. Maybe there's something that's salvageable. Maybe there's something that's worthwhile. And so that fear lessened. And then we met fucking Blythe. <laughs> there was something that I promised to do. I promised to Leon that I would be with him until the end of this. And there was somebody who had been taken against their will that needed rescue. And we've done that. And I'm not afraid that I'm going to be consumed by the courts anymore because I've seen enough of what power is and what power does that I'm going to consume the courts back. So when you come back down from the tower with Irene, lying on the floor, you find a wooden bracer with a piece of vine grafted into it. You find a small woven feather tied with what looks like a piece of bowstring and nothing else because I don't need you anymore I don't need any of you I can make it home on my own I'm not afraid anymore I picture that the second Leon gets up to the top of the stairs she's like I always knew you'd come for me can, can you help me get these off holds up the shackles yes of course madam are you well it's been a while I've been better, but she took care of me all right. It's not been the most entertaining of two years, but it's certainly been educational. Normally I'd be able to get it, get these off, but um, I haven't found a new way to do that yet. She keeps taking all the sharp objects away. He just grasps the chains in his big, strong hands and just bends them until they snap off. We'll have to see a locksmith for the rest of them. If I can deal with this, I was able to do this that one time. They were kind of rusty. And on the way down, she just details various different escape attempts. She never made it very far, but she did break out several times. <laughs> I think Blythe lets all of you pass. And for a split second when no one's looking, lines up a shot at Irene's heart, but then puts the arrow down. I picture like that's around when she registers that she just walked past you and she's like, oh, Blythe, it's wonderful to see that you're all right. I was one, I thought you might have been dead and who are you? <laughs> also, where's him? I want to actually real quick flashback to a scene between the captain and Blythe. Uh-huh. I think this is pretty late into the journey. Mm -hmm. So we, we've gotten to know each other pretty well, at least well enough. Hey, hey, your highness. Captain. Look at us. A couple of folks with titles. Speaking of. Now, listen, it, it's been tough for a lot of folks since the uh, river dammed up. Now, I'm not a 
I'm not a person that knows about why caused that. A person that knows the effects that had on the people. And, uh, well, we call it the local area where I came from, call it the Stormtooth. It's kind of shit. People don't really, we don't get along that well. And, uh, well, you know, after Queen with maybe not the strongest grip on rulership and a drought and a drying up river. I mean, it's like we run the place ourselves, you know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not. I mean, look at me. Am I king material? No way! But you know what I like the sound of? Baron. And takes out like a, a scroll. Now, if two sovereign rulers were, for instance, to acknowledge the fact that myself and my associates were in charge of this bit of Shalmir territory, we could certainly help you out. It seems like you've got a lot of issues, and I pride myself on being a problem solver. What do you think? I think you overestimate your value. I like the conflict. If you manage to survive, we'll talk. It's like a rakish smile, and we can cut back. Your Majesty, a humble humble servant Captain Hallowell at your service. Don't trust him, madam. Trust? What's there not to trust? In fact, your majesty, I come here not only to help free you, but to free you of some of the most difficult parts of your rule in recent years. It truly my heart, and the heart of people whom I represent go out to you these past two years and the years before with the drought and all these unfortunate happenings it must truly be difficult Madam this is how he gets free drinks at every bar that is true I do drink for free a lot I had a thing that I was just going to hint at at the end but with the way you're going on about this Irene just kind of Reaches and grabs Leon's hand. It almost looks kind of like a comforting gesture. Like, you know, I've learned quite a lot in the past two years, and I think we can take care of ourselves. There's a whirl of magic and smoke, and she and Leon disappear. Hmm. Just all well, magic, but... <laughs> Fucking rude. <laughs> Turning to Blythe and saying, I don't think we were done with that conversation. Do you think we, you were done with talking to her? I can find her again later. I like that. Let's do that. Now, I think I need a guide home. She's going to pull her bow and say, what do you say, Baron? And point it at you. And I think that's where well, I wanted to end. As we smash cut from Blythe about to make a new friend, the only way she knows how, apparently... <laughs> We see Irene and Leon appearing in Irene's chambers, and Irene looks around. Oh, that actually looks better than I thought it would. I thought we were just going to end up outside. Um, madam, what exactly did you pick up over the last two years? Up a few things when she thought I wasn't paying attention. It definitely helps. She thought I was a helpless princess. 
Final question. Why did you leave Queen Blythe behind? I wasn't sure I could do it with more than one person. <clears throat> Madam? I thought it was just going to take me aside. I'm sorry. Madam, I will I will draft a letter of apology. We will settle the affair. Now, if you would get some rest, I will let the attendants know that you will be dining soon. And we have a lot of work to do. Yes, we do. I will leave. And Leon, still kind of charred and fucked up, resumes his usual, like, blade warden sort of butler attendant posture and gingerly walks out the door to go back to uh, to go about his duties as if he hadn't just gone on a two-year-long journey. Irene shouts at Zatry, Leon, I swear if you don't take at least an hour to get yourself cleaned up and take an hour to yourself, please. Just do it for me. Dinner will be ready in an hour, madam, yes. Understood, slam. That's <laughs> not what I meant. The last thing we see is Irene turning back to her desk and she pulls the book out of her pocket that she stole. And there's a name inscribed on the inside. Dorialina. That is the last thing we see. Thank you for listening to GameOven. Please give us a follow on Twitter at GameOven, join the Discord, support the Patreon, and consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. This week's episode featured Benjamin, who you can find at TT Benjamin, Sad, who you can find at Sad Kiel and Green, Rob, who you can find at Robbie Rowling, and Lex Holden, who you can find at Call Me Bay. And me, Brianna Jean, who you can find at Brianna Jean's. 